Welcome into another episode of Bill's Pod Squad, Maddie Glab and Bill's owner and president Kim Pagula here as your co-hosts as we approach the holiday weekend, Christmas Eve, Christmas, and to wrap it all up, a little game against the New England Patriots. I shouldn't call it little because it's a huge game, um, but but a nice cap off to the weekend full of festivities. Hopefully it can end in a win. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, Kim, but what are, what are the holiday plans looking like for you this year in the Pagula household since we are so close to Christmas Eve now? Yeah, I know. I can't believe that it is here, Maddie. Um, I am just, I I feel like I'm behind, you know, since Thanksgiving to now, I feel like I'm still behind. So, you know, um, we're going to have the kids here. Um, We, my parents will show up. Um, You know, we do, you know, tradition wise, like I said, the kids are older now. So a lot of, you know, those, those young, when you have young kids, it's a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot more work, a lot of late nights, but a lot more fun, but also you, you know, missing all that that wonder that little kids bring so so generally we eat <laughs> you know we eat um that's a that's the tradition in, in in our families we eat a lot we drink a lot um and this year though we broke a little bit of tradition and so because again so many things so many gifts that we really don't need so this year we um the kids decided they're just going to do one gift um, across the siblings and then, you know, not have to do a gift for every family member. So that'll be a new one. We'll see how they like it. I think they like not having to worry about, oh, what am I going to get? You know, this sister and this brother and this sister and this brother and this kid. But um, but we'll, we'll see how that works out. Yeah, our family started to do that a couple of years ago. Uh, just my entire family, my parents and my brother and my sister, we started to just draw names and, and do a, one gift and that's it. And it's helped not like cut down on all the shopping that you usually have to do. And you can put a little bit more money and a little bit more meaning into a gift. And I think it's our like fifth year or fourth year doing it. So hopefully it sticks for you guys. I've liked doing it. It's, it's a lot less stress. And then we also do that for um, my cousins and and my aunts. So, and uncles, and and it's been nice. So I'm going to head home to Chicago for a couple of days, do a little quick trip. Um, Nothing like flying out on Christmas Eve and flying back on Christmas to make it back here for the game on Sunday. But since it's Chicago, you know, it's a really quick flight and uh, there's several flights that go from Buffalo to Chicago. So I'll, I'll be back in time for the game, but excited to get a little bit of family time, especially because last year for Christmas, I didn't go home at all because of COVID and and we were truly in a bubble. And I know cases are kind of spiking right now, but I'm glad that now people are vaccinated and, and we can kind of visit with people like we couldn't last season. So that's, that's definitely also a nice part of Christmas this year. And it's my last Christmas being single next year. I'll be a married and and do my first Christmas married. So my daughter, yeah, (laughs) I had to let my daughter know this year, you know, Santa doesn't come for, for married couples. know that right you you know that, no. that you know, yes that santa usually you know that she'll get a gift from from mom and dad but but santa doesn't come for married couples so she wow. she she did not like that but just giving you a heads up I, I don't know maybe it's different in your family but in our family yes 
Well, no, Santa, no. Santa, Santa yeah. better deliver this year if it's my last year receiving gifts from Santa since I'll, I'll be married next year. So uh, hopefully, hopefully a nice gift there from Santa, but we'll see. Uh, we've got Eric Wood on our podcast this week. You guys know him, former Bills Center, of course, Bills legend now and a part of the Bills radio network. We get into his life being a part of the bills and really not leaving after he retired, which is the best case scenario, because when you retire, sometimes you don't want to leave uh, what you love so much. So we get into that, his podcast and Christmas with kids, a bunch of fun stories out of this one. So here's Eric. Eric, thanks for taking the time out of a busy schedule to come hang out with us on the podcast. I know we've been wanting to get you on. Uh, and so I'm happy we could make it work, especially right before the holidays, because it's always fun to hear about the holidays in different people's homes, especially with little kids running around. Yeah, well, it's an honor. You guys had a heck of a guest list um, over your time recording this podcast. So I'm honored to be on it. Well, Eric, you're one of these you're one of these guys where you retired and I'm like oh no you know we're not gonna see Eric much anymore he's he's retired and, and gone from the team and then I turn around and you're everywhere like, <laughs> you I feel like you me. never left yeah you can't get rid of me and yeah. and <clears throat> to be honest I wasn't ready to be gone from the team and so being able to be back around the organization call the games um, still spend time with the guys I know on the team the coaching staff um, you and Terry Maddie, the whole crew, it's just been an absolute blessing for me and my family. They enjoy the fact that they can still be around, still be affiliated with the organization that treated us so well throughout my time. And I had just signed a contract extension in 2017, so we truly were not ready to move on from Buffalo yet. Eric, did you go ahead, Kim? No, I was going to say, did you know this career now that you you've started? Is is this the plan? You said you weren't ready to retire, but did you think that um, being in broadcast is where the direction that you would have taken um, after football? I think for a lot of guys, naturally, they're drawn to that because you see other players transition into that. So <clears throat> I truly had no plan because I, my thoughts around football were the guys that put too many um, eggs in a basket outside of football generally get to that a little bit sooner than they want to. Once you start this real estate career, this broadcasting career, whatever it may be, if you start doing that while you're playing, you're going to be distracted from the main thing. And, th and that's uh, providing your family generational wealth, this opportunity to play this incredible sport. You're going to rob yourself of uh, some of the energy you need to put into that preparation. So for me, <clears throat> when you asked if I was planning on doing it, not really, but when my career ended abruptly um, with some help from some advisors and friends, I kind of analyzed, okay, what, what are my passions? I still love football. What are some of my gifts? One of them from what people had said was communication. And there was a number of national media members, local media members that said, hey, you should give this a shot. I think you'd be good at it. And so thankfully I got a few great opportunities in the Bills radio gig being one of them. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like you were planning this behind the scenes because you fit right into working for the Bills Radio Network and then doing stuff for ACC and also ACC Network and also starting your own podcast. So it seems like it's been a pretty seamless transition and um, some opportunities that are, are really cool that don't come come around all the time. Well, what's funny is my first year out, I called one game for Fox and I did three pregame shows for a network called Stadium. And then the following year, I had auditions with ESPN and Fox and 
you know, the whole crew. Well, I had just accepted a job with ESPN where I'd primarily be with the ACC network when I got a call from the Bills offering me the radio gig. And those radio gigs never come available. As I talked to guys around the league, it was Dave Lapham's been in Cincinnati for 30-something years. These guys, they get it, and then it's so much fun to cover one team and call the games each week and be a part of it. Even if it's a small role, you're a part of uh, the game day experience. You don't really give it up. So when that came, I I went to Leslie. I said, well, I can't quit on ESPN, but I think I'm going to take this one as well. And so she obviously lets me uh, chase any dreams I I ever go after. And so uh, it was, had that been reversed, it may have just been the Bills gig. But for two years, I did both and then decided ultimately that I enjoyed the Bills gig more. Yeah, that's really great. I mean, being a part of a team you played for for so many years and then being on their radio network sounds like, you know, the perfect life in a lot of different scenarios for uh, several people who aren't ready to truly walk away from the life they've been living and the place and the people they've been surrounded by uh, since they came out of college for you being on one team your entire NFL career. So what's been the best part of getting to be the radio analyst for the Buffalo Bills, a team that you absolutely love and called home for so many years probably the fact that they're so good now because (laughs) me and john and sal always joke that we sound a lot better during bill's wins and that's that's any broadcast crew when you're affiliated with one team when they win you sound good when they lose get ready because your twitter mentions are about to blow up and they'll bring up how you fumbled over your words in the third quarter or you know john might not have seen a touchdown fast enough whatever it may be and so the fact that the bills have been so good has been a ton of fun um i'll say a lot of the experiences away from the game have been truly special as well we had a great night in jacksonville this year with Terry and Kim and, um, you know, a number of members from the Bills organization. And then it's after home games. I still go back to Elio DiPaolo's or Mulberry or some of the restaurants we still used to go to. So the on-field product being good is great. And then just still having some awesome off-the-field experiences as well along with it. Eric, is it hard? You know, I'm in the – sometimes I'm in the in, in the suite right next to you um, – when you're calling the game, is it hard? You know, you played as a center. You you saw so much of the game that do you see things on the field before, and then like have to catch yourself like, oh, I can't, I can't say that because I know in our suite, Brandon and Joe and Brian and, and Terry, they're they're calling stuff like before I see anything happen. Um, do you find yourself doing that as like watching as a fan and an ex-player before being a broadcaster? Definitely. And it's it's a it's got to be a friendly balance, too, because, you know, Tony Romo made himself famous predicting plays before they happen. But you don't want that on every single play. And I could sit there and analyze the formations and the tendencies. And I think they'll pressure or not pressure in this situation, whatever it may be. So there's a healthy mix of that. But um, especially when you're calling games on the radio, John needs to paint the picture. Now, I tell the why afterwards, but most of the people listening are not watching the game. So John has to paint the picture. If I'm sitting there before the play and I'm saying, hey, it's third and two, the Bills' tendency is to throw the football in this situation. So I think that maybe they should run the ball because it's four down territory. You have two opportunities to get it. Well, that's great analysis, but then nobody listening on the radio can even see what's going on. So they need John to paint the picture. I'll tell you what the hardest thing for me to do during the game, and this is terrible, but... It's just so natural for me to always look right 
to looking for Brandon and Joe and Terry yourself and just see reactions because good and bad because <laughs> because you know we're all buddies and like I love you know like it's mainly been good uh, you know like the Bills have had a great especially home record and that's where we're sitting next to each other just with a glass panel in between us but it's so hard for me to not just like look right and try and look for Brandon's reaction uh to certain plays it, it cracks me up honestly he's usually very stoic did you you notice that like he, he doesn't get really high he doesn't jump up and down my husband on the other hand is you know going down and up and down the steps but but Brandon and the worst if the game gets worse he gets even quieter he does yeah he doesn't make big reactions if it's not going well it's not like table slams with his <laughs> fist or anything <laughs> But I'll, yeah, so, but when like the Bills score, Josh makes an incredible throw, you know, the hands go up in the air. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun to be able to see the reactions from the people who truly built this roster and are so invested in it. Yeah, definitely. You also have a podcast called What's Next with Eric Wood, and you've had some really cool guests on that podcast as well. Uh, what was the story behind wanting to start a podcast and and kind of what the content of the podcast is? Because you do get some former players, but you also get some really cool uh, people who, whether they're close to you or just people with really cool stories, I think it's a podcast that kind of reaches almost everywhere in life, which I really like. Yeah, and that was kind of the point of it. And Kim herself's been a guest on it. Um, and I appreciate those kind words about the podcast. And so when I was transitioning out, before I got any broadcast gigs, I felt like I needed to kind of create some content, put myself out there a little bit. It's a natural avenue to start a podcast. At one time, there was 100,000 new podcasts being started each week. And so it's a very crowded space. But the main thing was to just start creating some content. And so the theme of what's next with Eric Wood was basically me trying to figure out what's next for me. And now that's kind of evolved into how do you make your what's next in life your best yet? Because whether it's transitioning from football, whether it's transit big transitions because of COVID, a death, a <clears throat> loss of a relationship, a job, whatever it may be, we're always changing and facing transitions in life. So how do we make the most of it? And I've just had the most remarkable time just learning from individuals. And it goes everywhere from a professional sports owner to a pastor at a church, to a former teammate or somebody I competed against in the NFL, to Hall of Famers, to coaches, GMs. It's just fun to pick people's brains, ask them similar questions, because most of the people, all the people that I've had on the podcast have some level of success. And I always define success as not just pure financial success, you know, well-rounded success in all buckets of life. Because I truly want to learn from those people to be able to follow in their footsteps. And it's amazing how similar a lot of the same principles are. Surround yourself with the right people. Work ethic is key. It might be morning routines. It's never settling. It's constantly reading, constantly learning, whatever it may be. There's so many similar themes. And it's just been fun to go on that journey for about two and a half years now. Have you, have you found that, you know, um, in your, your, your retirement life, I feel like what, what's it been three, four years. Yeah. 2017 was the last one. So I think this is my fourth season out. All right. Yeah. It, it seems like I said, because you are around, I see you on the field at all the games and on the road that I feel like you haven't quite left yet, but you know, what, what do you feel are the biggest traits that you've seen um, transitioning from player 
to kind of your being your own brand and your own business. Um, you know, I know you talked, you just talked about some of the chase that you've seen, but what's been your 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 personal, the hard things, the easiest transition and, and the hardest thing to transition from from player to business person? Yeah, so I'll say the easiest thing was I was lucky that when I transitioned out, I had an incredible support system. You know, a wife that just truly supports me. We have two healthy children, um, so many great buddies, mentors, just an incredible support system. So that's that that made it a lot easier than it could have been. And I feel for guys that don't have that support system because not everybody does. And that's where this transition, you know, specifically out of pro sports can be so difficult for so many. I'll say the hardest thing and this is still something that I have to be cognizant of because I can struggle with it, is creating a schedule for myself each week because as an athlete, even back through high school, every day is structured for you. Almost every single day throughout the year is structured for you. As a professional athlete for the Bills, I knew exactly what time I needed to wake up each day. I knew what my purpose was each day, and that's to be the best center in the NFL so that I can hopefully bring a Lombardi trophy to Buffalo. Okay, there's my purpose. And then every day I walk into the facility and the whole day is structured. What I eat is structured. You know, it, it was just so easy. And then you transition out and it doesn't really matter if you get a workout in. It doesn't really matter if you got a great night's sleep. It doesn't really matter if you're productive. It doesn't maybe move the needle financially today. So what's the big deal? And so it's finding a schedule that serves you. And I've heard that from a lot of other guys. And I was glad that I wasn't the only one in that boat. And so you said you still struggle with that now. Kind of take us through what what do you do kind of in in the course of a game week? Yeah, so much different now that I'm not doing both college and NFL. When I was doing college and NFL throughout the fall was pretty much just a wash. It was family time. You know, it might be a daddy daughter date or a daddy son date. Take my wife out to eat once a week. And then it was four to five days on the road. You know, you're traveling to the college game, then the pro game, and it's a lot of production meetings. Now, with just doing the bills and focusing more on my podcast, my own personal brand, some speaking engagements, it's, you know, my prep for the bills, a lot of that's in the preseason. And once you know their roster, then it becomes, you know, okay, we got the same kind of cast of crew each week. Okay, what's the next matchup? I'll listen to some podcasts, read some articles, uh, maybe watch a little film if I'm truly unfamiliar with them or if I haven't caught some of their games. But that's not a ton of it. For me, it's catch a workout in the morning. I'm always more productive throughout the day when I start my day off with a workout, um, some type of personal development reading. I like to get in the word the first thing in the morning, even before that workout. And then it's structuring the week. And I feel like and I, Kim, you're probably in the same boat. It's like every single week is this new next greatest investment ever. So it's a lot of hours and time and kind of sorting through if this is worth it or not. And this kind of private investing kind of wing of my uh, business and schedule now uh, takes up a good amount of time. But there's generally a, a podcast or two recorded, a couple appearances. And then I like to get in a golf game a week if it's not 25 degrees like it is today. Has your golf game improved? It has, but not like I thought it would. <laughs> and, I, you know, I just assumed as soon as I'm done playing, I'll go from a 8, 9, or 10 index, and I'll just go right to scratch. And and that has not happened. I think I've gotten down as low as a 5. But um, I've had a lot of fun with it. And, you know, golf is just an incredible sport of building relationships. You still get outside and compete. Um, so I really like it. You and Brandon, which who's who's better? 
So Brandon has a lower handicap than I do, but you can ask him. In the one time we played at his home course, I beat him. But I was already out of the league, so I had gotten a few more rounds under my belt that year, but I whooped him at his own home course. (laughs) Do you still miss playing on Sundays, or are you at the point to where you've been removed from the game long enough to where you've established this new part of your life, this new era of your life. And it seems like you have a schedule in in what you do. And you have, of course, a job with the Buffalo Bills, your own podcast and other things going on. So do you feel you're at the point where you're kind of too far removed to relate to some of these players in certain ways? Or are you still every Sunday like, dang, I wish I was out there with these guys? That's a great question, Maddie. And me and Sean McDermott actually had this conversation before the Pittsburgh game on the field as the stands are starting to fill up. And yes, you truly miss those moments. I probably miss the locker room the most, having fun with the guys. And when I see how much fun this team has, I feel like I would fit in very well with this group of guys. And I've gotten to know Josh Allen over the years and what a remarkable kid he is. I say kid and my my kids yell at me for calling him a kid. They're like, dad, he's not a kid. I'm like, I know he's just younger than me. All that being said, when you look back at a career, no matter what it is, it's often like a round of golf. And I'm sure you guys heard that you only remember the good shots in golf. And so when I look back, I miss game days. I miss those times in the locker room. I do not miss the six surgeries that I had throughout my career that led to an off season that we were so looking forward to travel and whatnot. I'm stuck in Louisville for months, just rehabbing an injury or back up in Buffalo, rehabbing an injury for hours a day. And then you truly just don't have a break the entire year. I don't miss those moments. Um, But yes, on Sundays when the bills are rolling, I, I, and one more thing that I miss, and this is one thing that as being a part of the radio broadcast is great, but I'm not necessarily a part of the team is I miss those locker room celebrations after the game. Like I miss being a part of something and I don't feel like I should be in there because I haven't invested to be in there. Like I have not put in the time during the week that everybody in that locker room has. So I completely get it. And I don't want, this isn't me saying like, Hey, Brandon, pull me down in the locker room next game. I miss those times because you put all that blood, sweat and tears in with your brothers and everybody in the organization comes together. And then when you win that game and you get in the locker room together afterwards, it's mission complete. And that's uh, a feeling that I'll never have again. And that's completely fine. So, um, you know, let's talk about those bills. <laughs> um, you know, you calling the game on the broadcast, but, you know, if you put on your, you know, being a, an analyst, um, what would you say the bills have done well this year and what, an area that you feel like is something to work on for next year? The Bills have continued to produce offensively. They've done a great uh, a great job outside of the Jacksonville game of just simply taking care of business. The NFL has this weird, crazy amount of parity at the top. Like there's so many AFC teams that you can bunch together. And then there's a, a large bunch of teams that, you know, the Bills were double-digit favorites. Favorites. I would say the Bills have been double-digit favorites this season more than any season in history and with still three games to go. And they may be double-digit favorites in the last two. I mean, it's wild to me. And then in those games, they truly take care of business. It's been wild to me that in one-score games the past two years, they've been so great. And this year, they've not won a game that's been a one-score game. I would say the law of averages say that those one-score wins are coming, and I hope one's Actually, I hope it's not even one score this week against the Patriots. But, you know, I I think they've taken care of business. This is a veteran team. 
Um, you kind of know what you're getting from this group because there's so many familiar faces. So they've taken care of business, especially in games that they were big time favorites. The, the thing that scares me a little bit um, about this season moving forward and then, uh, you know, maybe something to address moving forward with this team is I like this offensive line group and I defend them a lot. But there's times, especially with the play calling, that the defensive line knows it's a pass and the pass rush is broken down at times. They have to be able to pass block better at times. I know some of that's communication. Some of it's losing one-on-one battles. you got to protect the passer better. And when you look back at the Bills' losses, teams have been able to get to Josh Allen. And then I do not feel like in obvious pass situations defensively, we're getting to the quarterback enough, especially with a four-man rush. And, you know, the the run defense has been glaring at times, you know, first in the league for the first 10 weeks of the season, and then now 30th since then. But I just feel like, to me, even more important to that, which causes more turnovers and everything else, would be able to get to the quarterback with a four-man rush in an obvious pass situation. All right, I'm taking notes, Eric, and I'm going to pass them along. (laughs) Yeah, just don't tell any of the guys I said that. And that's one thing that uh, I've had to be cognizant of is I can't be all sunshine and rainbows all the time. And it's so natural for you as a player to defend your teammates. Well, I still love these guys. I have great relationships with a lot of these guys. You know, Spencer Brown, I love that kid. And he has five penalties in the game and I'm constantly defending him throughout the game. Hey, that was kind of a garbage holding call. Hey, you know... It looked like the defensive line came in the neutral zone, so he jumped off sides. Ah, I like that taunting call at the end of the game. Like, I want to play with guys that have that passion. But at some point, I have to just critique it, too. You know, I can't just be, hey, everything's good. It's all rosy here. Or else that's not going to – that's not what people want to hear. And ultimately, you have to give them what they want to hear. I think uh, maybe somebody in your family who thinks the Bills are just all sunshine and rainbows is your son. Uh, I loved when earlier in the season, in the fall, when he was going to take school pictures, you put on uh, Twitter that he wanted to take a school picture in a Bills jersey and you let people, you know, vote on if he could or, or not. How big of a fan is he? Does he understand that you played for this team or is he just only concerned about Josh Allen right now? Well, let me back up just a second. So he was born the day I found out my career was over. Three days after our last game, I found out in the delivery room with him. So he never knew me as a player. I literally, 50 minutes before he was born, I got the call from Dr. Cappuccino in Buffalo that my career is truly over. Even with surgery, I can't come back and play. And so he never knew me as a player. He understands a little bit that I played for the Bills. And he'll look at my scars all over my legs from surgeries and say, what are those from? And I say, well, Danny broke his legs playing for the Bills. you know. And we'll, we'll have those conversations. My daughter understands a little bit more. She's six. But my kids love the Bills. They're obsessed with it. Um, we let him for his school pictures last year take his pictures in Josh Allen jersey. We're like, it's kind of weird if you do it two years in a row. So this year he wore normal clothes. But here's how obsessed they are. We were going on rides at Disney World last week, and when we would go down a hill, they would yell, Josh Allen! <laughs> and I'm like, you guys are obsessed. And and I'll say this about Josh Allen. What an awesome – I'm going to call him a kid again. I'm going to call him a kid because he was 23 years old at the time when he did this. 
his Garrett's birthday is January 11th. It's right in the middle of the playoffs last year. And I sent Josh a text on a Monday after a game. And I said, Hey, if you completely ignore this text and don't even respond to it, I will never feel anything different about you. But Garrett thinks you're coming to his birthday party this week. <laughs> and I can't convince him you're not. If you could just make him a video saying happy birthday, I'd truly appreciate it. <laughs> Josh Allen just sends me a video. Happy birthday, Garrett. It's incredible. He then shoots me a text really quick. And he says, wait, don't show him that one. I can do better. He then sends another video that was better. And he's kind of walking around the locker room and other guys are saying happy birthday. I'm like, that's the type of person that, like, that's the type of guy that guys rally around. That's why everyone on that team loves playing with Josh. Yes, he's got a cannon for an arm. He's competitive. He's got great running ability. He's smart. He can process. Well, he has all the things you want in a quarterback. But, like, as a person, why they rally around him is little things like that. And so – I'm completely fine with the obsession now after Josh did that. And uh, we love Mitch Morse, but is part of you like, dang, I wish I could block for this dude. Yeah. And I was extended in 20 before the 2017 season, knowing that we were likely taking a first round quarterback the next year. And I would be the guy to kind of nurture and mentor that young quarterback. And then whenever my career ended, I would kind of have something in the NFL that was, you know, a piece of me that I mentored. And, and Deion Dawkins kind of plays that role because he was a rookie my last year. You know, he was over our house all the time for holidays and all that. And we're still close to this day, but that could have been my guy. And I'll never forget, I'm down at the Masters. This is before the draft. And I'm down at the Masters with Ryan Fitzpatrick and a lot of the CAA guys were hanging out. And I got to hang out with Josh Allen for a few days. And I texted Bean and I said, I'm not sure your opinion on Josh Allen. And I, and I have not watched his film. You know, I've seen highlights and whatnot, but I haven't watched his film. But I said, he is a guy's guy, and he has that it factor in a room. And he was young at the time. And I said, he can command a room. And I said, I will feel – there will be a pit in my stomach if you all draft him. I'm just going to throw that out there. And then the Bills draft him. And what he's done from a development standpoint to go last in the league in completion percentage, to last in the league in completion percentage, which – A lot of people will tell you, like, everyone in the NFL has got a great arm. Can you complete balls under pressure? Can you be accurate enough? Because that's how you get first downs and score points. And then to be second in MVP voting the following year and be top five in completion percentage, that's unbelievable. And it's unbelievable because it's never been done before. But his work ethic is so strong. They put resources around him, bring in a lot of talent, offensive line in front of him last year. You know, there's a lot of factors in that, but – I'm proud of that dude. And you mentioned the holidays. What what are the holidays like here in the Wood household over the next couple of days? Of course, there's a game on Sunday, so I'm sure that kind of throws a wrench in the plans, but not something that you're not used to since you played in the NFL for several years as well. Yeah, for sure. And so I'll fly out Christmas night, you know, got to take a non-direct up to Providence from Louisville. So I'll, I'll fly out Christmas night, but my flight's not to like 710. So that'll be okay. I'll leave the house at six and just rush it. But uh, we'll have a fun weekend. It's been great. I've had buddies that are back in town, so we catch up with them. And um, I was supposed to go to the UofL UK basketball game, which is a really fun rivalry tomorrow night. But now that game's canceled because of COVID or postponed because of COVID. So change of plans there. But, um, you know, the kids just have a ball. Our, both me and Leslie's parents completely spoil the kids. Um, and I'm not sure when this po- – my kids won't listen to this podcast. But, uh <laughs> And I, and I won't let him listen to it, but uh, Garrett's getting like a motor, 
it's pretty significant, but like a motorcycle he can ride around the house. And then you know you live in Kentucky when your six-year-old daughter's getting like this huge horse that you ride, but like as you like push down like you would on a normal horse and you like, I don't know, I don't know what you do with your legs. It drives, it's like it doesn't have a motor, but you can like fly in this thing. So that's how you know you're in Kentucky when your daughter's getting a big old horse and your son's getting a motorcycle for Christmas. Yeah, I, I miss having those young kid days uh, with, with all those that excitement and that wonder on Christmas Day. All my kids are a little bit older. And so it's just, you know, more family time. But just like I said, that that surprise factor uh, is, is no longer there. So I really miss those days. Um, and I don't like these. I don't Maddie, I don't know about you. I don't like these Christmas Day games or the day after Christmas. Um, it, it just I don't know. It just Thanksgiving. Yes. But. Christmas? I don't know. I know we, there's some several games uh, slated for Christmas Day in the NFL, but um, I am glad we are not one of them. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that 100%. And, you know, it'll give us something to watch on Christmas Day, but I feel for those guys and their families. Now, if you're the early game, well, if you're the early game, then you miss like the Christmas morning with your kids. So many of these guys have families and that stinks. If you're the late game, then you're gone all night. I was thinking maybe you could have Christmas dinner if you had the early game. Regardless, no, it's it's not fun playing right around Christmas. And then it's funny, like this holiday season from the night before Thanksgiving till New Year's Day, I didn't really understand what it was all about because even through high school, college, I was always playing ball and everyone's like, oh, you gained 10 or 15 pounds through the holidays. I'm like, what do you mean? It's just a time of the year. You have you have two holidays that are spaced out a month apart. Like, how are you gaining 10 or 15 pounds? Oh, I get it now because every single night of the week is a football game. It's a holiday party. It's a basketball game, a bowl game. There's a reason to eat bad and drink literally every night from the night before Thanksgiving all the way through New Year's Day. I totally agree. There's always something going on during the holiday season and you truly get a taste of it when you're actually out of the NFL, out of college football. Cause yeah, I mean, bowl games are on Christmas or Christmas Eve or new year's day or the day before or new year's Eve day, you know, it, it kind of spoils the holidays. So it's nice that you get to like, you know, understand what all of us are doing by eating, eating way too much food and, and all of that the whole month. But uh, we asked Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer this for our last question of last week's podcast. Uh, you got any tips for doing Christmas with little ones around? Man, that's a great question. Uh, my tips would be limit the grandparent gifts <laughs> and figure out like, okay, like dole out responsibilities. Okay. The kids want this, so we're going to get them, or Santa's going to get them this. You all get them that, because our first Christmas, especially the first Christmas with two kids, it was unbelievable. We were opening presents for days, and I'm like, our kids don't need all this stuff. You know, we're going to have to donate in a year to clear out the playroom to even get more stuff. So that would be uh, one thing. And then, you know, what Kim said earlier, and I hear from so many people is just enjoy these moments with little kids during these times to truly cherish it because they'll, they'll be gone before too long. And Kim, at some point you'll get to relive it again, because I hear the only thing better than Christmas morning with your kids is Christmas morning with your grandkids. Cause you don't have to like put everything together and you just get to spoil them and then you get to leave. Yep. Nope. That you are, are absolutely right. My grandkids are not with us this Christmas, but you are, you are right. That's uh, you get all the pleasure and none of the work and you know, you're, you're good to go. There's been a lot of nights where 
I've done 3 a.m., 4 a.m. I mean, you're up all night. You go to bed at 5 a.m. and then have to wake up an hour later. So I've done my time. <laughs> well, Eric, we hope you have a wonderful Christmas Eve and Christmas um, and hopefully an exciting game on Sunday uh, to cap off the Christmas weekend against New England Patriots. We all know it's a big one. So uh, hopefully it's a great one too, but thanks for talking to us for a couple minutes, telling us about, you know, life out of the NFL and now a part of their bills radio broadcast. We love having you around every single weekend. Like Kim said, it's, it's like you never left. <laughs> but that's well, a good thing. I was going to say, I hope you guys aren't sick of me not not, having, <laughs> not being not uh, being around all the time. But you guys do a great job. Thanks for having me on the show. Hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. And, man, it would be super sweet. It, it would it would make my Christmas uh, season if the Bills get that win in New England this week. I, I agree. That's all I'm hoping for. So thank you, Eric. Merry Christmas. Yep. Thanks, guys. All right, Kim. All eyes are on this Patriots game. We knew – these two games would be important, of course, because they're in, in the division. And I know I've said this before, maybe even last week, but when the schedule came out and I saw we played the Patriots in December and not earlier in the season, my first thought was something's going to go down. These games are going to be really important. Uh, the Patriots are going to be a better team than they were last year. Obviously they are. They invested a lot of money into the team during free agency with tight ends, uh, with their defense, got a new quarterback in Mac Jones, and they have been playing really well uh, towards the second half of the season. We know what happened the first time we played the Patriots a couple weeks ago, and hopefully weather is not a factor in this second game. So we can truly get a, a a nice test for both teams, not something where rain or wind plays a factor in how you call the game and how you operate on the field. Uh, but this one is important because the AFC East title is on the line. Playoff hopes are still very much alive. So if the Bills can get the job done, uh, the path is still there for them to win the division, which is what this team has been saying from the get-go this season was we want to be in a position where we can control our own destiny. And here they are in week 16 with the ability to control their own destiny. Oh yeah. I mean, definitely. But that's a lot of, a lot of <laughs> easier said than done. <laughs> too close. Yes. Yeah, too close. Um, I know the NFL sets up these divisional games at the end of the season to get that rivalry and that anxiety uh, for fans. And, and it's definitely working, but we've seen so many different things happening, especially even recently across the NFL, um, you know, teams that with wins, I mean, even, you know, new England, uh, you know, was on a winning streak. I know they just lost this this week, but um, even Miami, is, is on a winning streak as well. Some some crazy games going on and a lot of very, very close records um, happening at the same time. So a little bit of luck has to uh, come our way as well. But but um, yes, I mean, listen, New England has always been kind of, you know, in our division, the, the ones we're always trying to go after. Um, this will be a big test. I mean, again, you know, it. this is where this is why you play football. This is, you know, you want to be up against those, um, have to win those games. And it will be a, it'll be a test for sure for our guys. And like you said, um, we control our destiny and it's, it's up to the, us, the team, the organization uh, to get to that finish line. Yeah. But well, we, 
we will see okay. how it goes. It's going to be intense. I know I know you're going to be, uh, you know, peak stress, peak anxiety for this one because that's how I will feel. And I know we share that. So, <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. So, but you know what? There's nothing I can do at this point. So, exactly. Sit back and it. relax, Kim. It's, it's all <laughs> going to be fine. <laughs> well, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas Eve and Christmas with your family. And I hope we can cap off the weekend celebrating a win against New England Patriots because honestly, that's my Christmas wish and nothing would be better than that. All right, Maddie. Thank you. And thanks to all our listeners and a Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everybody. Yeah. Happy holidays, guys. We will catch you next week for another episode of Bill's Pod Squad. Thanks for listening so far.